This is Cruise Radio. If this whole thing we're going through right now has taught us anything, it is to always have travel insurance. Get a quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio, a review of Norwegian Sky Today. Richard Sims is filling in for Sherry Laskin as she is off the grid this week. And a way that a cruise director can entertain your at-home game night. Yeah, a new company has launched called Majestic Circus, and we'll find out more about that. But first, staff writer Richard Sims with Cruise News. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. Thanks for filling in for Sherry. A handful of Carnival ships won't be returning until 2021. Yeah, um, most of this has to do with the fact that they have dry docks that have to be rescheduled. Uh, So right now, the ships that we're looking at are the Carnival Magic. Its itineraries, which sail out of Miami, are canceled until March 13th. The Carnival Paradise, who has itineraries out of Tampa, is being canceled until March 19th, 2021. Carnival Valor, which operates out of New Orleans, is New Orleans is being canceled until April 29th, 2021. Now, with that one, that's including a transatlantic cruise that was supposed to go from New Orleans on January 25th and come back on February 26th, and those are both canceled as well. And the fourth ship is the Carnival Spirit, which was set to operate out of Brisbane, and that'll be canceled through May 16th, 2020. 21. Uh, now, we also know that there's a fifth ship, the Carnival Splendor, which has also seen its itineraries canceled through Jan- through and including January 7th. That one's a little bit different. It's not because of dry docks. That's because of the rules that are in place in Australia right now. They basically have canceled all sailing through December 17th. So this seems sort of like, okay, well, the first time that we can get up and sailing after that would be, you know, after January 7th. So that's that one's we're lumping that in, but that's a fifth ship that's a little bit different than the other four, which are because of dry docks. And along the same lines, Royal Caribbean is in there too. Yeah, right. Royal Caribbean is suspending their cruise operations out of Australia and New Zealand through December 31st. Again, same thing. You know, this isn't um, because of the CDC or anything like that. This is actually because Australia has suspended sailings out of their waters through the end of December, basically. December 17th, which is pretty much the end of December. So um, right now they are doing the same thing as Carnival is with the Splendor and saying we're not going to sail. Royal Caribbean has also canceled their China cruises that were set to depart between October 1st and 31st aboard Spectrum of the Seas. So the earliest we'll see that when sailing is November at this point. Earlier this week, Carnival Corporation, which is the parent company of Carnival Cruise Line, announced that they would be selling more ships. Yeah, we knew all along from earlier this season that they were planning to sell 13 ships. Then a couple months later, they announced that they'd be adding two more to that, bringing the total to 15. Now we're up to 18. Now it's important to note that these are not Carnival Cruise Line ships. This is Carnival Corporation, which, you know, that covers nine different brands and the ships could be coming from any of those. So we don't really have any idea. We can speculate based on which ones are older because that's one of the things they're using to sort of decide which ships to get rid of is they're looking to see which ones they already had plans to decommission in a few years. It's It, it sort of makes sense. If you were going to do it three or four years down the road, 
code, why not just do it now since they need to bump up their liquidity to get through this period where they don't have income coming in. And, you know, you're spending a lot of money to keep these ships sort of sustainable without sailing. It costs, you know, a lot of money every month just to keep the the ships sitting out in the water and, you know, minimally staffed and keep them in, in the condition that they would need to be in to resume once the bans are lifted and everything. So they might as well go ahead and move forward with the plans to get rid of them a little bit early. It saves them a lot of money. It cuts down on some of their expenses. It's it's ultimately, you know, a good thing. In fact, if you go to cruiseradio.net, we have a story about five different ways that this is actually a good thing, even though it seems like a bad thing if you look at it casually. And a small Alaskan cruise destination has been nominated for Cruise Port of the Year. This is very cool. This is the 2020 Sea Trade Cruise Awards. And the reason that this is sort of special is that Icy Strait Point, which is a port in Alaska, is the only United States based port that is actually nominated. Um, it's up against, you know, because you always want to know who the competition is. They're up against Dover, the United Kingdom, and St. Petersburg in Russia. So this is a small port. It's a very popular port with people who've been there. I have to say, I am I was supposed to go there earlier this year, but obviously my Alaska cruise was canceled. So I was very disappointed. You've been there, though. What makes this such a special port? I think what makes it stand out and really unique, I guess, it's in Huna, Alaska, right? So it's very native, very authentic, and a lot of adventure activities there. Also got in trouble for flying my drone there, but that's neither here nor there. They have this really cool zip line too. So you go to the very top of the mountain, like the highest point of Icy Strait Point, and you zip line straight down, and you pretty much you're right at the bow of the ship when you come off the zip line. Just really, really awesome. I think 150 bucks, but worth every single penny. I might have peed my pants even just hearing about that. So I'm not sure that that's necessarily for me, but it sounds very, very cool. And we wish them luck. You know, it'd be kind of cool to have a U.S. port win this this award. Especially with the devastation and Alaska not having any cruise ships this summer. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping that it'll have a boomerang effect and that, you know, just like the cruise lines keep talking about how there's this pent up need to cruise. And so they're really seeing a lot of, you know, sales booking for 21, uh, 2021 and even 2022. I'm hoping Alaska sees the same thing that mm-hmm. that when it comes back, it comes back strong. And finally here, a ship delay for Disney Cruise Line. Yeah, the Disney Wish was scheduled to be delivered in January of 2022, but it's been pushed back. And we don't know exactly when it's been pushed back to. The problem is that Meyerwerft, the shipyard that it is going to be constructed at, has had a lot of issues thanks to the pandemic. They actually had to they, they actually in August closed down for six weeks. And that didn't help matters any. In fact, they're basically saying that they're going to change their schedule. They used to do two large ships and one small ship every year. Now it's looking like they'll do one large ship and one small ship. Um, you know, and there are several other ships that will be impacted by this, but we don't really know the dates yet. It's worth mentioning that the um, Disney Wish was actually the first of a new class for Disney. It was a Disney Triton, and they have two other ships that are supposed to join. There'll be a three-ship fleet when they're done, 
And so obviously the fact that this ship is being delayed means those other two ships will also be delayed. No word exactly on how long it will be before we see those ones. Listener question from Michael. Email your questions to Doug at cruiseradio.net. Michael says, do you think cruise lines will make a big push to add a lot of smart technology in order to eliminate touch points in staterooms and throughout their ships? Oh, definitely. That is something that we can 100% expect to see. Um, Already, for example, on some of the sailings that we're seeing overseas, whether it's uh, the mine Schiff or on Costa Cruises, they're really relying on your smartphone. Your smartphone is now a crucial part of your vacation. They use, um, instead of handing you a menu, they're using codes that you scan into your phone and you can look at your menu, look at it, you know, right on your phone. I wouldn't be surprised. I know this is not going to please some people, but I wouldn't be surprised if they make a move toward eliminating things like the daily program in your room because a it's a waste of paper and you know i love them i've collected them for years one of my favorite things is reading them every night but you know it's it is something that they can cut down on cut down on the point of contact we'll see that throughout all of the lines i think sooner or later some are already you know we're already moving in that direction and they'll take the technology that's already been in development and just move further ahead with it it'll obviously be easier to implement on new ships because they can sort of you know start from the ground up and and really make it part of the construction of the ship but even on older ships they will no doubt find ways to incorporate as much technology as possible and i know for some people that'll be a little bit of an issue because you know some of us, well, I shouldn't say us because I certainly am not this person, but some people, when they get on a ship, they want to immediately disconnect from everything. They don't want to touch their computer, their phone, none of it. Uh, So they might not love the fact that their phones will become, you know, such an integral part of their vacation. But again, we've seen this move coming for years. You look at some of the things they've done with the Carnival Hub app, where, you know, you can order a pizza from anywhere around the ship, that kind of thing. They'll be able to take that technology that's already been developed and just amplify it immensely. So what Michael's talking about, we're kind of seeing this a little bit, and you know, this was pre-COVID with Princess doing their medallion class, and kind of like we've been seeing for the past, what, seven or eight years at Disney with their magic band, you know, using the technology to do certain things, correct? Exactly. Like, like the magic band is a great reference, and, and you know, some of the same people worked on that as worked on the Princess medallion plan. But, you know, if you've been to Disney and you've had a magic band, you know, you can use it for everything from opening the door to your hotel room to if you're in the parks and you want to eat you just you know you swipe it just like a credit card it's all there on your wrist and it's contactless they just you know scan it just like you do items at the grocery store and it goes on your bill so we've already seen this it's sort of taking the concept of the sale and sign card to the next level where you don't even need to hand somebody your card they just can scan whatever you're wearing whether it's a medallion or you know a wristband um virgin voyages is also we we heard a lot about the technology that they're going to be implementing on their ships that are kind of similar they're going to have bands that people can wear and that serve as pretty much their all access pass to everything during the time on the ship staff writer richard sims thanks for filling in for sherry man i appreciate it always glad to although i'll tell you that's those are tough shoes to fill but I'm glad to try. If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News skill so you can get daily updates anytime straight from Cruise Radio. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? 
Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at cruiseradio.net. There's something new that just popped up in the entertainment world, and it relates to the cruise industry for a couple of reasons. One, a lot of cruise directors are doing it, and two, it's created by two Carnival Cruise Line veterans, Kevin Noonan and Victoria Rossi. It's called Majestic Circus, and here to talk all about it are Kevin and Victoria. Hey there. Hey, how are you? Good. I don't know if you remember me or not, but I interviewed you on the very last sailing of Carnival Destiny. So we're talking February 2013 in Port Miami before she set sail for Europe. I I do. Would you be offended if I didn't? Yes, I would. Very. So I'm glad you do. Yeah, I definitely remember that. Yes. So let's start off with the basics, man. What exactly is Majestic Circus? Majestic Circus is something that Victoria Rossi, my partner in crime, and I have uh, worked very hard on, actually. Uh, Majestic Circus is a way to get back to live entertainment. We are a live entertainment experience online, and we basically look for very top-end entertainment professionals, and we give them a, a place and a platform to entertain. Okay, I'm intrigued. And how did this idea come about? Uh, honestly, it came, started in phone calls with me and Victoria about early April, I would say. I was the corporate director of entertainment for a large resort company. Uh, and my wife and my son and I lived in uh, Playa del Carmen. And then, unfortunately, uh, this thing happened. I don't know if you've heard of it. And, and then my sort of direction changed and and I was looking for a new a new thing, right? Uh, me and Victoria started talking. Uh, she had a similar end to a fantastic opportunity. And uh, out of just conversations, we talked maybe once or twice a week at first. And, and then we started thinking, oh my goodness, this has a chance. And we bought the w- website, the domain, and, and then went from there. Okay, for clarification, is this an app? Is it a website? Do you jump on Zoom with all of your friends and do this trivia party or what have you? Like, how exactly does it work? So the the actual experience is, is interactive, personal experience um, where it is live hosted. Um, families and friends can gather together to have a really great uh, night in and uh, and connect with each other. And it's hosted by an entertainment expert and a live host. And so this is really different than anything that you've seen online right now um, for a couple different reasons. They're customized games that are brand new and different and that there's a live host too. There's some games out there that um, have just trivia where the person that organized it kind of leads the way. Um, and there are other small 
live hosted events, but um, we really wanted to do something different by having customized games and experiences, but also having these larger than life personalities to actually host the event. So when you're talking about someone actually hosting the event, let's say I want to have a party on Zoom, a brunch or trivia or whatnot. Am I going to have a ringmaster who is actually customizing my event or am I just spending $199 and getting a program to download and play? No, we, um, when the guest books the experience, they put in their name as well as all the other names of the players and that all gets sent to the host. And so the host or the ringmaster, as we're calling them, the ringmaster will have all the names of the people. So as soon as the experience starts, they can say, um, you know, hey, Michelle, I know you organize this for your entire family. It's so nice to meet you. Hi, mom, Marita, all that kind of stuff. So um, it really feels like a one-on-one VIP exclusive experience. What makes this kind of experience something that cruise fans can really get into? Oh, there's lots of reasons. Uh, one being the the experiences themselves, the games, um, the trivias, the scavenger hunts, these are all similar, but very different from what they're used to. And we know that cruise guests love to participate and they love to be involved in games and, and fun experiences like that. So that's one of them. And the other reason is that we were able to, um, to speak to and to bring on a lot of entertainers, a lot of um, cruise industry personalities that they know and love. And so, especially at a time where, you know, everyone is kind of just hoping and praying that the cruise industry comes back, um, we're able to give an opportunity for the entertainers to entertain again and for the cruise ship guests to um, to interact with the people that they love from the cruise ships. You were just mentioning larger-than-life personalities, and of course, Matt Mitchum, everyone at Carnival Cruise Line knows who he is. How did you approach Matt about coming on board with this? It's funny how we started this. So Victoria and I loved our our jobs, right? And uh, she is a marketing and revenue genius professional. And I've always been in operations and dealt with people, right? So we combined and kept doing exactly what we've always done. Uh, And I spent 20 years working for Carnival Cruise Line. And every talented entertainer out there, I've worked with for, or they've worked with or for me. And uh, Matt is one of those people. So I, I was working with him all throughout my career, and we've stayed in close contact. We definitely headhunted him. He, he was he was a priority for us to become a ringmaster. Though Matt is is fantastic, and and he's going to be absolutely amazing at this. We have 22 other ringmasters that are equally as entertaining, equally as talented, and uh, people are going to be equally as excited to experience our game with. Do a little name dropping for us. Who else might we know from the cruise lines? Chris Williams, the Flying Scotman, Emma Nixon. We have Everson Bevel. We have Stephen Schwartz, Cookie Adams, uh, Nono, Leon, Tyler, and Clay from NCL Cruise Lines. We have some retired cruise directors, Jamie D and Malcolm Woohoo Burns. We have fantastic comedians from Carnival, Tony Esposito, Jason Blanchard. A lot of recognizable names there. If someone listening wants to get more information about Majestic Circus, where can they go? All the information is on MajesticCircus.com, where they can book, find out more about the Ringmasters, find out more about the experiences, um, and find more about more about the story, too. You can find more information at MajesticCircus.com. We've been speaking with Kevin and Victoria, co-creators of Majestic Circus. Thank you so much for giving us some insight, and good luck to you with the new venture. Thank you yes, so much. We'll see you tonight.
Since Richard did the news this week, I thought we could keep him on to interview me about a recent sailing I did aboard Norwegian Sky. Richard, thanks for hanging out. Hey, Doug. Thanks for having me. Uh, Let me do this. I always enjoy getting to turn the tables and be the one to grill you. Yeah, I rarely ever say this, but this show is all yours, so go ahead. (laughs) All right. Well, first of all, give us a little information about the cruise. This was the Norwegian Sky. I believe you left out of Miami. Was it a four-nighter? Yeah, it was a four-night cruise, Monday through Friday, Great Stirrup Key in Nassau. So this cruise ship is based year-round out of Miami as of December 2019, and it does a three-night cruise and then a four-night cruise. And, um, of course, opposite of this cruise is basically like a long weekend cruise. I was on NCL.com. And I saw a rate for Norwegian Sky for $89. And I'm thinking, okay, so I can book this, but I'm still going to have to pay double occupancy. So I'm looking at, you know, what, 180 And then you have taxes and all that, so it wasn't going to be worth it. Then I was reading more into it, and it said no single supplement fee. So I was that at that point, I was like, okay, no brainer. I'm booking this, and I'm going to figure out how to get to Miami after I book this because this won't last long. Hold up. You're telling me. This was $89 for the cruise, not like $89 a day or this was an $89 cruise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. If you hadn't booked that, I might have had to, I might have had to fly down to Florida and hurt you. So am I right? This is the ship that was previously before Cuba was cut off uh, as a travel destination. This was, this was actually a ship that they used to go to Cuba, right? It was, and it's also the ship that had the all-inclusive beverage package, so you didn't have to pick a perk or anything. Your fare included the beverage package. Um, they dropped that in September. So now pretty much anyone who sails on Sky, depending on the category of stateroom, gets at least one perk. And I even got it with a sail-away rate, which is unheard of. But I didn't pick the drink package. I picked the dining package. Do you regret that in retrospect? You know what? Because I had a slamming November and early like December was going to be really crazy for me. Looking back, I'm glad I didn't. I did have an ounce of regret when I bought a Tito's and soda on board and it was $16 for one (laughs) drink when it's like $7.90 out the door on Carnival. So that I was like, I should have bought it. But then again, I wasn't going to be drinking that much. And it doesn't include water or coffee either. So it was just booze. And I wasn't drinking that much. Okay, so this ship is one of the older ships. When was it last refurbished? And what you know, when you walked on board, what was the impression it made? Like, did it feel like an old ship? So it definitely felt like an old ship. So to back up a little bit, I first sailed Norwegian Sky in 2010, and then I sailed her again in 2012. You could tell she was a little bit of a rust bucket back then. Um, And then in early 2019, so in January, it went under and got this like massive multi-million dollar renovation where they added the Bliss Nightclub, the Spinnaker Lounge, um, the local bar and grill to it. And a couple of other spots as well. Um, And no, the ship didn't feel new walking into the atrium because, you know, those atriums are so dated. It's kind of hard to make it look good, right? I mean, even when they refurbished Carnival Triumph and made it Carnival Sunrise, the atrium is still the same unless they completely redo it in dry dock. So it felt like an older ship when you walked on. But as you made your way out from the atrium, it felt new again. Okay. What kind of stateroom did you wind up with for your $89 that I'm still shocked by? Yeah, I had a guarantee interior and I was on deck five all the way forward. So 
if you were on deck five and you kept walking forward on the port side, there's a crew door there, and my room was right before the crew door. So I was you couldn't go any further um, forward than my room. Did you happen to – did that impact you at all? Like I – I remember one time I had a, sh- a room on the Norwegian Gem at the very, very front. I was only doing an overnighter. This is the back in the days when you could do the cruise to nowheres. I was at the very front, as far forward as you could go. And I remember every time we hit a wave, it was like my room had an earthquake. Did you happen to have any of that? I didn't experience that. I will say, and I'm an early riser anyway, so it didn't wake me up or anything. But when we were docking in Nassau, the bow thrusters shook the room a little bit. I thought for sure you were going to say the crew door, that you kept hearing the crew door slam. That seems like something that could be a problem. No, I, I didn't hear that. I thought I was, but it was actually, I guess, by design, not meant to go bow, bow every time someone walks through there because there are passenger decks right, or you know passenger rooms right there. Um, the bathroom, though, smaller. There was a, sh- uh, a plastic shower curtain. The, I was... Not impressed with the amount of storage. I mean, even for one person, and I just traveled with a carry-on on there, um, there really wasn't that much space to put your stuff. Um, and I was only on for four nights, so it's not like I was on there for a week or anything. But if this ship did longer itineraries or if there were more than one person or more than two people in the room, I would say it would get a little tough and you'd have to maybe improvise on where you're going to put your stuff. During the refit, they put these lamps by the bed so each lamp had a USB plug in it, and then there was one plug at the vanity. I love the USB ports by the bed. You know, it's great for whether you're plugging your Kindle in or your phone, and you can keep it right there and continue to scroll all night while you're uh, when you when you should be sleeping. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting that you mention how small the rooms are, and that it you know it is doing shorter voyages. But you have to assume that originally, I mean, originally it was doing week long cruises. Have cruise have cruise staterooms gotten smaller, or have we just gotten to the point where we expect them to be bigger, and that's how they always used to be, you know? Yeah, I, f- I feel like this room, I, this is probably one of the smallest in the industry, along with Royal <laughs> Caribbean, like their majesty of the seas, and they had like monarch of the seas and sovereign of the seas um, before they transferred those to another cruise line. Those were really small rooms for the industry back then, um, and I feel like this is pretty much the same. I want to say it's somewhere in the ballpark of, 115 to 120 square feet, whereas, for instance, um, like an inside room on Carnival is like 185 square feet. Well, that's also interesting in that that's about the same size, maybe a little smaller, a little bigger by a few feet as the studios they now make for solo travelers. Yeah. I mean, what? That's 99 or 100 square feet, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're really looking at, yeah, that, that is small. Okay. So you, you took the dining perk. Where did you use it? I went to Cagney's, and I was impressed by the quality of the food there. Really good. I had the pork belly, because you recommended that. Um, I had the 20-ounce porterhouse steak and the seven-layer chocolate cake or chocolate brownie or whatever it was. It was seven different kinds of chocolate stacked on top of each other with a scoop of vanilla ice cream, and it was so good. Um, It was a little weird. I was traveling by myself, um, and I asked to be put like somewhere by a window or in the corner where I wouldn't have to interact with anyone because, you know, it's just awkward. Let's face it, going somewhere Mm -hmm. by yourself. And they put me right in the middle of the dining room. (laughs) And so everyone's like sitting around me celebrating anniversaries and birthdays. And I'm just sitting there like, okay, can my food get here any faster? 
But and they're all looking at you saying, you poor, sad loser. Couldn't Come even find anybody to dine with you. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, you know, that aside, it was great. And that's where I had the uh, $16 Tito and soda. I thought it was a mistake or they maybe gave me a double. But if you got a double, it hits you around $20. So, so you know. I've never done a cruise as short as this. Do they offer the same kind of entertainment options? You know, Norwegian's pretty well known for having a lot of entertainment going around the ship at night. What was it like? Yeah, they had a couple. The Welcome Aboard show was the first night. A little sampling of what is to come. Um, They had the comedian there. He was funny. Um, I was only there for a few minutes, not because he wasn't any good, but I wanted to check because out the rest. Because you hate shows. <laughs> well, I can do a comedian. Like, I can't do the whole Broadway thing, which was another one of their shows one night that I was in there for a second and dipped out. Um, but the comedian was solid, and the theater is actually located in the back of this ship on deck six and seven, I believe. And it's kind of, you know, normally you're used to theaters being in the front of the ship on most cruise ships, but this was in the back right above the, uh, one of the main dining rooms. Uh, the crossings, I believe was one of the dining rooms on the back of the ship, like deck five after something. So, um, yeah, this, the shows were okay. There was music around the ship as well. So you had like the piano players. Um, then of course, bliss was really jumping at nighttime. There was a piano up in, uh, uh, what's it called? The Spinnaker, the very top up there. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, uh, I didn't see any music in what is the mojito bar called? Sugarcane. Yeah. Sugarcane mojito bar. That was really popular, but there was no music in there that I noticed. But the entertainment around the ship for it being, you know, a chilly, windy, I say chilly, like upper 50s, lower 60s during our entire sailing. So it was kind of cool out there. Not a lot of people around the pool on sea days, but the deck parties, of course, those are always coming coming to life, right, at nighttime. Do they have themed parties? They had a glow party because I walked out there and everyone was like shaking glow sticks. <laughs> and then I think they had their, what is it, rock the promenade or maybe hot white party, something like that. Okay. Yeah. What about on such a short voyage? Do they do? Do they bother to do like a formal night kind of thing? They did have an elegant night, which was the second night. So since I was by myself, I can't speak on the main dining room on this cruise. I have done this ship's main dining room on the past two sailings, and it's always been good. And the food has been adequate, I guess. The buffet that was where I spent most of my dinners, or eating in the local, which is the complimentary sports bar type pub. What was the buffet like? It was okay. So this one has two buffets. They have the inside buffet, and then they had the outside called the Great Outdoors. And that's are, do other ships have that, Richard? Like the um, like the gym? Yeah, the gym has that. Some of the other ships they have sort of. There's the big buffet, and then if you go out the glass doors onto the back of the ship, there's a smaller version that tends to have more like you know hot dogs and sandwiches. It's not quite as 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 complex as you'll find at the bigger buffet. Yeah, one thing I did notice, for a ship as small as Norwegian Sky is, there was always plenty of seating in the buffet, because if you didn't find a place in the buffet, you could go out to the great outdoors where you're sitting under a covered area like a big tent, or you could walk forward of the buffet and sit by the pool where there was plenty of table setups. And what I also like about Norwegian is they always have the silverware at the table, so you don't have to like get to your you know, table with your plate and be like, oh, crap, I forgot my silverware. There's always silverware on your table. You're right. And they're always replacing it. Like when mm-hmm. they're cleaning off the plates, they yep. go back and they they put the silverware wrapped in a napkin on the. You're right. I, I didn't really think about it. But on other ships or other lines, they don't necessarily do that. 
that's a good observation, Doug. Uh, what else? What else around the ship caught your eye? Well, I will say, just speaking of food, real quick, um, eating in. I had dinner twice in the. Well, once was dinner, and once was kind of a dinner part two. But I had chicken wings, chili, and a salad. Actually, both times I got the same thing. And they were both solid. Service was a little bit slow one night. I mean, like 55 minutes to even get my salad. Was this at at the local? Yeah, it was. Okay. Um, Uh, That's a long time to wait for, you know, what's basically fast food. Yeah. So I was like, well, maybe this was a fluke or maybe someone was sick. Um, So the next time I went in there and I ordered the wings, the chili and the salad, and I had it within 10 minutes. So I think it was just kind of uh, an off night the first time I went there. But other than that, the food around the ship was good. The pizza, yeah, it was just blah. It was just pizza. Actually, it tasted like cardboard. But at two o'clock in the morning, who really cares what pizza tastes like? Well, and it's interesting you say that because while a lot of other cruise lines, including like like Carnival has their own pizza place, uh, Princess is very well known for their onboard pizza place, but Norwegian doesn't really have that. They just have what's available at the buffet. They don't have, you know, like a separate pizza place. But, you know, at midnight, who really cares what pizza tastes like? Well, I suppose that's true. So let's talk a little bit about your itinerary. Did you, well, did you have any sea days or was it really just the ports? So we had one scheduled sea day, which was really two because we left Miami sea day and then going to Great Stirrup Key. However, the winds were horrible there, like really like white caps on the water. They tried to get the tender to come to the ship, and I don't think the tender boat could actually latch on safely to the side of the ship, so the captain called it. But it was, you know, you, you're sitting there and you're like, uh, I want to go on the island. The weather wasn't that good, but seeing perfect day at Coco Cay right next door to you and two, not one, but two Royal Caribbean ships there having a good time. Um, and they're like, okay, bye guys. We're going to Nassau. See you tomorrow. So we had another uh, day at sea. So what happens there? So I, I, I hear this all the time that, you know, it's what happens at a tender port. Sometimes you don't make it and you hear that quite a bit. I have been blessed in that all my cruises on Norwegian, I have never had to uh, skip the island, but you do hear about it a lot. What do they do? Do you stay there for the day or do you just sort of like sail around you know, in circles until it's time to go to Nassau? That's all we did is we sailed around in circles. In fact, you know, and the reason why the cruise ships miss Great Stirrup Key so much is because that imperfect day sits right there on the Gulf Stream, which is just off the coast of Florida. And within that Gulf Stream is a current and there's always winds there and kind of high seas kind of makes it difficult for tendering there, which I think is probably, well, aside from perfect day that Royal Caribbean built was another reason why they had to build, you know, build a pier there because I've been on three Royal Caribbean ships over the past 15 years that have skipped Coco Key back then, but because of bad weather. And it's just this time of year, the Gulf Stream is, uh, it's moving out there. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that's that's one of the reasons Norwegian's going to be very happy when they finally do get their pier there. So, okay, so you float around in the ocean. That gives you two sea days, basically. How did the ship handle sea days, especially with crowds and stuff? It handles sea days really well. They either did a really good job at scattering people last minute throughout the day or even a scheduled day. Like there was a Q&A with the captain, which I thought was really interesting. Um, what else did we do? I, you know what I really liked on that ship? The very top in the observation lounge, 
Um, it's kind of like a 270 degree lounge. They call it the spinnaker. And I think it used to be called, um, I don't remember, uh, but it's a really all the bay windows. There's a deck right there where you can walk forward of it. And if you want to like just sit outside, you can go there and like take pictures or whatever, sunset, sunrise. Um, there was enough spots on the ship where it was, it was spread out and the ship never really felt crowded. Now, obviously, this is a small ship, but for the size and the amount of people on board, because they did, they did tell me it was sold out. So it was, uh, it was great on sea days. I will say Spinnaker is one of those great places where during the day on a sea day or even when you're in port, it's an amazing place to go and just relax or get some work done until they decide they're going to teach a mambo plot class <laughs> yes. in there. And then all of a sudden your uh, your quiet, peaceful respite has uh, has got 60 people doing doing dance lessons in front of you. But it's a beautiful, beautiful space. Were there any other spaces like that, sort of like quiet spaces on the ship? Well, that, that's what happened to me. I was in there and I was doing some editing and they started the shore shopping talk like right <laughs> at noon. And, you know, they're so just animated and who wants to go buy some diamonds in Nassau? <laughs> and everyone's freaking out. Get your free charm. I'm like, oh, good gosh, I can't handle this. So I left. And, uh, what you don't want to go? You don't want to go 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 get tips on how to get the best diamond deals in Nassau. Look, I appreciate what they're doing, and they are working for their dollar, I guess, or working the crowd <laughs> for their dollar. But I think all that's a big sham. They're paid by the shops to promote these different vendors on shore, Caraloha and all this. So I don't know. I don't. Well, I I agree. I don't think it's a coincidence that those vendors have you know those lovely paper ads that are placed inside your uh, your your Fun Times Daily. Well, I guess it's not the Fun Times Daily; it's the Freestyle Daily on Norwegian. But so you get to Nassau. What did you do there? Nassau. Oh, I had a really crazy day because I had a I had two meetings. So no fun. I had a meeting on MSC Seaside. And then I had a meeting on Carnival Pride. Not was it Pride? Yeah, Carnival Pride. So I was literally on Pride for a couple of hours, and then Seaside for a couple of hours, and then by that time it was time to go. I mean, it was. I think I got back to the ship like right at four or four thirty, and all aboard was at four thirty. So um, didn't really do much in Nassau. It was a decent day. It wasn't a beautiful like postcard day it was a little cool to a lot of sweatshirts being worn because we had this like weird cold front in florida that week and uh, it was like in the lower 60s which is cool for the bahamas yeah that's yeah that's the florida boy in you i mean well, i'm sitting here and it's 22 degrees uh so i knew you were gonna so, say that that's why i prefaced yeah. it with for, for the bahamas <laughs> So, you know, you say no fun, but I'm sorry, you know, just, just getting to be on those other ships is kind of cool. Uh, uh, you know, getting to see the other ship. I, whenever, whenever I pull into Nassau and there's usually like five, six ships there, it's always packed. And I'm always like, wow, can I just spend the day jumping from ship to ship? <laughs> that would be, that would be awesome. So you got to do the shore excursion that I would actually. Yeah. So I guess we can call it do. a shore X, right? <laughs> I did a, I did the ship tour shore X. Very cool. So here's a question. Um, the only time I've ever done a short cruise, like I said once before, was the the cruise to nowhere. And that sort of had a party boat feel. Given that this is only three days and a lot of people on board probably have the drink package, does it have that same sort of, you know, desperation to pack as much fun into those three days as you possibly can feel? Well, it's funny you asked me that because I was actually speaking with a couple who they were doing a back to back. So they did the three night 
and then they were on the four night and they said that the four night was super tame compared to the three night because you know it's the weekend it's balls to the wall it's more of the uh, college students out there whereas it's kind of a different demographic on the four nighter because it's monday through friday um I will say even the adults had a good time and even the adults were acting like children out there as far as just like shenanigans and drinking too much. And and you know what? I'm not a prude. I'm the first one to throw one back with you. But it's there's comes a point where you have to have a little self-control and know when you're stepping out of line and when you're acting like an idiot. And I saw a lot of that. But if so, if you don't want to be around that crowd, this cruise probably isn't for you. Um, but if you're a late night person, you like to party and you, you know, you're paying $99, $89 for a cruise, it's that's too good of a price not to uh, not to sail. I'm still stuck on that $89. I tell you what, I'm like, I, I, I would kill to get an $89 cruise out of New York. That's never going to happen. But so any final thoughts on the ship? So I will, let me clarify by saying it was 89, but there was also $15 a day gratuity. And then I did get the dining perk and that was $8.99, the surcharge for that. And then I did tip an extra $5 on top of the, um, on top of the eight ninety nine. dollars um, and there's like $144 in taxes. So yeah, it was a little more than $89. Still yeah. a good price. Yeah. I mean, it was under what? $300. So it was exactly. Uh, so you get back to Miami. What was disembarkation like? Disembarkation was really smooth. I was actually off the ship and in an Uber by 745. And they started disembarkation at 730. A couple of things I did notice, and I will say that the biometric screening, um, I think that's what it's called, or facial recognition that the uh, Customs Border Patrol are using now, that technology, I think they're testing it on this ship and probably other ships in the port. But that made things really simple. One thing I did notice, though, is that a lot of people were trying to get off the ship with a balance due. So you know on Norwegian, when you're clear to go, it makes the cash register cha-ching noise. And then if you aren't clear to go, it goes, well, there was a lot of that happening. And I'm probably, it's safe to assume this happens a lot because they had a, a payout terminal set up in line number three. So there were two lines with the biometric and then one dedicated employee uh, making people pay to get off the ship or to sign a promissory letter saying they would pay within 30 days or Norwegian could come after you. So that was interesting. Interestingly, they also, because uh, when I was on Norwegian Bliss, uh, right around the same time that you were on this ship, as I was checking out, I did not get the friendly little cashier sign. I got the bomb bomb, and I kind of was confused by that. I got pulled over into the secondary line, and it turned out I had um, – what I thought, well, it was listed as non-refundable credit, but for some mm-hmm. reason they were refunding it and they pulled me over and handed me over cash. So it's not always bad to get the wah-wah sign. It can also be good. Yeah. No, I agree. But the, I mean, it was smooth. They disembarked right when they said they would at 730. I, I probably queued up around 720 and I maybe was like 10 people back from the front. And this one lady was fit to be tied because she's like, why aren't we going anywhere? And the security said, ma'am, we start disembarkation at 730. We need to get clearance from customs before we can let you off the ship. And she was like, well, you need to tell customs they need to hurry the hell up. 
I'm like, oh my gosh, this lady clearly has no clue what's going on whatsoever. Probably still so drunk really from the night before. It was probably a very relaxing trip for her. <laughs> no, I mean, it probably was up until disembarkation where, you know, but you know, when you, when you have a drink package going all night and you could kind of just not get any sleep that last night, I've had those disembarkations, man, where you're, you know, you might be in the bag still or really hung over and those suck. But in that case, why not just like, chillax and be one of the last people off the ship why try and get off that quick i you know i often do try and be the first person off the ship but i'm also kind of aware that you have to have a little patience uh it's crazy to me how rude some people can be to the staff who are just doing their best to get you off that ship so they can get the next group of people on yeah well there's a fine line there too right because people are taking that cruise who live in miami and who are going to work that morning I know a lot of those people are out there, but you have to know what you're getting into before you decide to go on a cruise when you have to work on Friday morning, the same morning as disembarkation. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. Well, so final thoughts on your trip on the Norwegian sky? So the rooms are a little dated, but the ship and the public spaces look good. Um, I will say... They're going to give you a perk anyway, so you might as well get the drink package because you do not want to pay their prices for booze. <laughs> Again, $16 for a Tito and soda. You could buy a bottle of Tito's for $19.99. So that's a little insulting. But otherwise, yeah, it's a great ship for short itineraries. You get to go over to Great Stirrup Key if the weather's good in Nassau. Yeah, it's just uh, it's a great ship, and I would totally sail it again. Um, I would just probably bring someone with me and probably get the drink package. Well, here's one last question for you because I'm still stuck on the eighty nine dollar thing. Did you happen to look and see if you were not getting it for eighty nine dollars, what would this same cruise have cost? Like, if you weren't booking at the last minute, what kind of rate would you have gotten? One twenty nine, one forty nine. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, still, and plus bad. it would probably be the double supplement, so you'd be bumping it up to around 300 Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think it was with two people I priced it, and it was right around $450. That's with the $89 rate with the tax and everything in there. Because um, I was just curious to see what I would actually be paying if I went by myself. And if I was paying that much, I wouldn't have taken it. But, you know, knocking off that second person and no solo supplement fee, why not? Yeah, the solo supplement fee is really that that's what makes a big difference. And, you know, I'm constantly out there looking for the supplement fee, uh, supplement free sailing. So good job on finding a good bargain. It sounds like you had a good time. Richard, as always, thank you so much for interviewing me. I hope I didn't let you down. Not a bit. It's (laughs) always a pleasure. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got here, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.